Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers for Blizzard Watch, and I've got both my wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, he likes playing warriors, and he likes talking lore, and he would be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi. How's it going? Hello, everybody. It's, it is going. That's, you know, every day you wake up is a good one. Every day you wake up and write. Assassin's Creed stuff. I, what are you doing right now? Don't don't tell them. Don't, <laughs> okay. Don't all tell right. Them. I'm not gonna talk I'm, about it. Um, no. Since you brought it up, all right, fine. I I had this idea that if you don't know the story of the most recent Assassin's Creed game, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, it's set during the Peloponnesian War, which starts around 431 BC. Now, in 331 BC, Alexander the Great defeats uh, the Persian Empire and Darius II at the battles of, of Issus and Gaugamela. Uh, Darius runs both times. Okay, I know run... you're going to talk about this for three hours if I let you, no, so just, just give us just a let summary. Me, yeah. Quick summary. The, whole, the point is basically, how do we get from those two events? How do we get from the Peloponnesian War to the Persian the conquest of Persia? How does Persia go from the most powerful nation in the world to beaten by Greece in a hundred years? Technically Macedon, but Macedon is basically Greek at this period in time. How does this happen? And what does it have to do with the main character of Assassin's Creed Odyssey? That's that's basically what the story is. Okay, see that sounds rad to me. Okay. I'd read it. Fan fiction aside, we've also got our other co host with us. He's a he plays a shaman and he's a lore expert, and that would be Joe Perez. Hey Joe. Hello. Are you writing not... any fan fiction? <laughs> No, I'm still trucking along on a story that I started many years ago and keep losing the beat on, but, you know, whatever. Uh, instead, I'm just building ridiculous things, because why not? Keep in uh, mind I'm that say, man, I am the not, Spider-Man like... Costume, the Spider-Man costume is, is That bitching, was rad. I, that okay, was... So... I wish you'd done it in black instead of red, because I think it should have been a more Miles Morales color than a Pete color. So, uh, let me explain that a little bit. Uh, so, way back when, in, in 2018, in ye olden days, when things were still shiny and happy... Um, the they did a, this campaign called Spider Sona, 
Uh, and it was for the end of the Spider-Verse movie, which is one of my absolute favorite movies of all time for many reasons. Um, but there are a bunch of artists. Oh, it's on Netflix. You should watch it. Absolutely should watch it, especially if you like lore and deep lore, because it's got a ton there for you to dig into. Yeah. Um, but there was an artist, a Puerto Rican artist from New York that created one that really spoke to me. Now, I'm a bigger guy. And Spider-Man has been my number one superhero since I was a kid. It was the first comic book my grandfather ever bought me. And that's how I learned to read, was by reading Spider-Man comics. So he's important to me. But I've never been able to cosplay as him because I'm just too, I'm too big. And I don't feel comfortable doing it. So this artist, um, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, um, Wilfredo Torres, did this wonderful piece of Boricua Spider-Man in a hoodie in basketball shorts with the undersuit underneath and the ball cap in it and wearing spider chanclas. And it was, it spoke to me in a way that I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And I've been looking to do a cosplay for years and I keep falling short and or getting self-conscious. And I finally pulled the trigger and it was one of the happiest things I've done. So I've completed this costume and I actually feel really good because it feels really natural. I love what raids did with it. Yeah, no, that was fantastic. And if you haven't seen it, and this is not just me trying to plug myself, head over to my Twitter. It's at LoaderZJ, L-O-D-U-R-Z-J, um, and take a look and tell me what you think. I mean, if you tell me I'm awful, I'm just going to throw a chocolate at you. But, you know, it's fun. It's good times. Well, I have no room to speak on cosplay because I used to dress up as a fairy for Renaissance festivals on the regular. And I have no room to speak for fan fiction because I wrote like a 77,000 word fan fiction tying together the events of Dragon Age 2 and Dragon Age Inquisition. So, um, moving on, let's talk about Blizzard games. <laughs> yeah, I'm, Look, I've actually written Blizzard fanfic once, by the way, I guys. did too. It's out there. So it's out I. there, and you can find it, but you, you won't know it's mine. I wrote a very short story about the origins of left and right, Rathion's bodyguard. Speaking of Rathion, though... <laughs> Let's go ahead and pull into, like, the actual subject of the show here, since we've gone on for five minutes on other things. Uh, 8.2.5. We don't really know exactly a whole heck of a lot of what's coming in 8.2.5, except that it's not going to be, like, a major story patch, because this is one of those in-between ones. There may be story elements that are introduced, but... Typically speaking, the 0.5 patches are there's some new features, there's some new things to look forward to, there's a little bit of new content, but it's nowhere near on the major level as like uh, 8.2 was, where we got, you know, two new zones and all this other stuff and a raid and a dungeon and everything else. Um, however, data mining has started for 8.2.5. It is not at this moment on this Sunday in which we are recording this show. It is not available on the PTR yet by the time you listen to this show uh if you are not a patron and you are just listening to like the regular show ptr might be up and going so it'd probably be worth checking out because we're looking at new worgen models new goblin models but we're also looking at some other new models that uh wowhead managed to dig up including rathion which is super coincidental because we were just talking about him last episode <laughs> Um, not only does Rathion have a new model, it is a new grown-up model, and a scenario has also been data-mined. There is no information on what's in the scenario, there is no dialogue, there is no nothing else. The only thing that's there is the name of it, um, which, again, it hasn't been finalized. It's just called rathion Karazhan Catacombs. That's it. And the description, which says, Searching for the Black Prince has led to this hideout, but will Nazoth's agents find him first? 
It's a five-player scenario, normal scenario. Uh, other than that, don't know anything that's going on with it. He's grown up. He's in Karazhan. Um, and I kind of want to talk about that a little bit. And then we're going to talk about the other models because there's another one that's real interesting that just came out too. But uh, let's let's start with Rathion here. Karazhan, you guys. Why would Rathion be in Karazhan? In the catacombs specifically. Well, I mean, let's go back to Legion when we were first getting our artifacts. And what did we learn about yes. the catacombs of Karazhan? I mean, we knew about this beforehand, but we got to see it in, in at least a little bit of action. There's a ton of really powerful artifacts that get uh, rare stuff, yeah. rare stuff, things, things that we don't even know and have been being collected for how long at this point? Um, we can go back to the weird uh Karazhan going back through time thing, which I still think is absolutely right. I think Rossi hit that on the head. Uh, but anyway, uh, so there could be artifacts from the far-flung future or the far-flung past. The Dark Riders all pulled in to Karazhan, uh, which would be absolutely the reason, or at least one of the reasons, why Rathion would want to go there. I mean, he ate Titanheart. He has an idea of what, what somewhere is these very powerful things. He probably has an idea of what's in Karazhan. I think he's juicing up for, for something. Rossi, I want you to take a quick minute to explain the whole Karazhan theory as far as it living from da-da-da-da-da, past to future, future to past, um, just okay. for people that might have missed it. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do my best to break this down quick. Um, so <laughs> please forgive any skipping It is ideas. complicated, but we're going to try. <laughs> Basically, we know that Karazhan does not progress normally through time. We know that Karazhan didn't exist until one day there was an enormous explosion in Deadwind Pass, and there it was. And since then, it's been there, and no one knows who made it or why. When when Medivh got there, he felt like the place had been put there for him. Like it was there for the guardian. It was his place. He built didn't for him. have it constructed. It, no, was, just it was there, just there, and he moved in. Yeah, and he felt very much like it was his. Um, the current thinking I have on the subject, the theory that Joe is talking about, is that he did build it in the future, and when he did, he built it backwards, so that the the cast the the Karazhan's been going back in time ever since. Karazhan is like you know Merlin in the the Once and Future King. Uh, it's living backwards. Or when you if going... you happen to have read the uh, books by Piers Anthony, The Incarnations of Immortality, Time, Kronos. Kronos lives backwards while everybody lives forwards. Like that. Yeah, so in essence, the castle was constructed in the future. It's then existed up until its violent destruction just before Medivh found it. And it was actually possibly constructed by Medivh in the future and then sent backwards so it would be there when he needed it. Uh, that's the basic theory. We do know that the place is not just, not just unstuck in time, but it's also kind of like a, uh, it's sort of like a TARDIS in reverse. It's in the, a state of temporal flux. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's also, it's also transcending this physical reality. When you go into Karazhan, it's not just bigger on the inside than the outside. The outside is bigger than what you see. When you look at Karazhan from the outside, you see the whole tower. But if you go up through Karazhan and, and leave the top, you're not at that top of the tower that you see when you're going outside looking at it. You're at a different top of the tower that is in another realm of existence entirely. One that you can just have infernals rain from above and 
stuff floating in the ether. You can look. You it's can look out over. Kind of opened into the twisting nether. Yeah. And as a result of that, the, there's stuff inside the the keep, the the tower. So I keep saying keep. The stuff inside the tower that had no way to get in there, and in fact, is too big to get in there. Like like Nether Spite, who was just straight up too big to even leave the room he was in. And not to mention the Nether. Nether Drakes originated on Outland after yeah. after Draenor was shattered, which, how did he get there? Don't know. Yeah. And for that matter, when you fight him, um, Prince, oh, bloody heck, Prince Malkazar says, you know, all realities, all dimensions are open to me. And that's where we get Gorhal, mm-hmm. which that's not the Gorhal that Thrall gave to garage because he gets that from someplace else. Yeah. So whose Gorhal did we loot? One of those people in one of those many, many, many realities as we've been shown in Warlords of Draenor. Yeah. So there's a lot going on with Karazhan. So if, if we're going to be going there to look for Rathion, if Rathion's mucking about Karazhan is a place where the, the catacombs of Karazhan are bigger than the, the, the tower itself. And they're exactly inverted. So there's like a whole other tower going down into the ground. The upside and, down Karazhan. Yeah. And meanwhile, the top part of Karazhan is also upside down. Remember, we you know we saw that when we did the most recent Karazhan run. Yep. You can go through the top part of Karazhan and have it be completely upside down. So there's there's a ton of weirdness about Karazhan. No, nothing in Karazhan makes much sense. And if you've read the book uh, The Last Guardian by Jeff Grubb, um, that one goes into the first fall of Medivh, but it also introduces Khadgar. That's where Khadgar is first introduced. Um, he this and it all takes place during the first war. Um, he's there. He encounters Garona, who is for some reason working with Medivh, and all that stuff about Medivh being possessed by Sargeras. Pretty much that gets uncovered and everything. And in the end of the book, Medivh dies. Which I mean, spoiler alert, but not really a spoiler alert because this is all history that we already knew, right? Um, while they are in the tower, they experience these flashes when they go into different rooms or different places or wherever, where they're transported and they see visions of various pieces in time. Stuff that has happened, stuff that hasn't happened, stuff that might happen. It's all there in Karazhan. It's just, it's all there. Which is why this place is such a weird, weird place. But in that, that's why when Joe was saying there's a bunch of artifacts and stuff in the basement and some of them could be from the distant future. That's why. That's the theory that we're talking about where Karazhan was actually constructed someplace in the far-flung future and then destroyed shortly after Medivh discovered it. Only it was shortly before Medivh discovered it because the tower's going backwards and my brain hurts. Anyway. Now, now, to take it a step further, and here's another thing that I've been thinking about. So I've been maintaining that I think at some point we're going to be wind up going to Koresh. The homeland of the the homeworld of the ethereals that has been completely consumed by void. Yeah. Why? Because it's the closest thing we have in the material plane that we can get to that is one hundred percent steeped in the void. So if we're gonna be taking our war there, that's probably where we're gonna go. Now, when you go into Karazan, there's a bunch of ethereals all over that place, and they're looking for something. We've never found out what they're actually looking for. They've been for. there since Burning Crusade. They've been there since Burning Crusade. And it's always been this thing, like, we have no clue what they're there for. There's one that's friendly to us. Um, but with now the stuff that happened on the Alliance side with the Void Elves and that whole story arc with Therials, 
with what we did on Argus, and now with what's with Rathion going there, and if his true enemy is the Void, since he's consumed Titan bits, he might really care about that. Uh, I think that there could also potentially be things inside of Karazhan that might be relics of Koresh as well. Like, that might not just be just Azeroth's future, but it could be because we it's this is a multi-dimensional place, a place that touches It's stuff every... that can come from anywhere. Gorhowl was in there. Exactly. So it is There's as a Nether Drake in there, you know? But it's as likely to me that we're going to get something along those lines where that's part of it, where where I think we're going to find out what the ethereals are, are going for, because it might be the same thing that Rathion's gone looking for. And I feel like that this kind of ties into our first email, so I'm just going to introduce that real quick here while we're talking about all of this, if that's okay with you guys? Yeah, of course. Okay, so this email, it didn't have a character name on it, but it's from Todd, who says, Greetings, Lorewalkers. Listening to your most recent podcast, I think you're almost there with Rathion. Rathion was created via Titan technology, and the Titan's big thing is fighting against the Void and the Old Gods. If Rathion is a Titan creation, the Legion is secondary to his true goal of fighting the Old God corruption. Maybe he saw in his vision that the Legion would fall either way, but if he had united the factions, it would have happened in a way that didn't result in the Sword of Targaryen piercing Azeroth and setting in motion the events that led to Nizoth's freedom. I think he's been gone because he's been working on his scenario two plan, like his second scenario plan, to kill the old gods. That's that's all he said. It wasn't really a question. It was more like, here's some input. And I think that this kind of relates to everything that we're talking about. So I figured, let's go ahead and just read that and discuss that. Um... Do you guys think Rathion is actually, it's not so much about the Legion as it is about the Void? Because, let's face it, what was Rathion's first thing that he did when he hatched from his egg? He started wiping out the Black Dragons. Not all of the Black Dragons, well it was all of the Black Dragons. Why? Because they were corrupted. They were Mm -hmm. tainted. So, do you think Rathion is just on this really huge purification protocol that expands far beyond the influence of the Burning Legion, or what do you guys think? Rossi, I'm going to let you talk for a while. Well, I mean, we're okay to talk about the few little tidbits we know from the scenario, right? From the scenario? Yes, because the scenario I think ties into this. So is it okay to talk about that yet, or should I hold off? I didn't think that we had anything data bind from the scenario itself. Yeah, there's a few there's text Oh, is there? I haven't seen the text. Ooh, okay. So spoiler alert, folks. Um, We're just going to go ahead and put that right here. We're going to talk about stuff that's on the 8.2.5 PTR. Um, If this is is material that you want to go ahead and save for later, go ahead and turn off the podcast now because this is probably what the majority of the podcast is going to be about. And you could just come back later and give it a listen. Anyway, uh, official spoiler warning. Turn it off here. Okay, Rossi, go ahead because I didn't see any of this. I just saw the models and stuff in the description. Yeah, the scenario is basically uh, there's a little tiny bit where um, Magni is talking about something happening with Ebonhorn, and then Mother is apparently going to purify him, and so Magni's like, no, don't, don't purify him, don't, you know, because Mother's idea of how to purify things is to kill them. Uh, I've got them, I'm going to look at some of them right here. It's all voiceover stuff. It's all basically they found various voiceovers from Patch 8.245. They found one for Magni, one for Spiritwalker Ebonhorn, one for Caligos, one for Chromie, and one for Mother. Uh, I don't actually <sighs> have the, I don't have the Chromie text in front of me. I have the text for Magni, for Ebonhorn, and Caligos, and for Mother. And it's this is snippets. It's just snippets, but we have no context. To... It's just lines. Yeah. Okay. But one of the I'm going to read just some of the 
the the Magni stuff real fast. Uh, I suppose Drathion doesn't want to be found, but the knowledge he accrued would be critical in a fight against Nazoth. That's from Magni. And then there's more, of course, but that's just him just giving you that. And uh, for Galagos, champion, I know someone that might be able to help. Hurry, champion, find Rathion. He might be Ebonhorn's only hope. No, he eluded both Nazoth's minions and our friend, but he seems to have found a way to resist the influence of the old gods. That's all Caligos says. That's that's in the entirety of what Caligos says. So Mothers says, old god contamination detected, initiating sanitization protocol. Scanning transcribed data. Complete. Data committed to memory. Physical re- record no longer required. Destruction executed as advised. So we don't know exactly what's going on here, but it seems that Ebonhorn succumbs to the old gods while he's in the heart chamber. Which remember, would make sense. He's away we, from the wards. He's away yeah, from the wards. Yeah, no, we so. saw evidence of that before. I was wondering about that when we took him to the heart chamber. It was like, Ebonhorn, you're leaving. You said you didn't want to do that. What are you doing? Yep, yeah. and I've been, I was, I've been waiting since that happened for like something to go, oh, look, and Azoth knows he's here now. Time and to attack. So that happens, and it seems that Caligos is like, wait a minute. We know a black dragon doesn't seem to have this problem. Uh, you've got to go find him. And apparently that's why we go to Karazhan. Just and based, apparently, just based hmm? on what Caligos said, I don't think he's aware of how Rathion was created. Probably not. And I'm kind of wondering, because Rhea was the only one that was responsible for those experiments, and obviously she perished, I'm kind of wondering how much the Red Dragonflight really knows about how... Ra- Are we the only people that know exactly what happened? Maybe, or for that matter, though, the, the exact phrase, he eluded both Nazoth's minions and our friend, but he seems to have found a way to resist the influence of the old gods. If there's, It seems to be a potion that is created, based on some other things people have said, that allows Ebonhorn to finally get out from under the thumb of the old gods. And if that's correct, if, if Mother uses Rathion's notes to create some kind of ward or cure for old god corruption... He might have been doing that not because he needed it, but because the world needed it. Because we did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot about Rathion we don't know. Um, I'm not saying he's an altruist, but he very much seems to be very big on the whole concept of enlightened self-interest. And he might have gone to Karazhan because, let's face it, that, that place is ridiculous. That place just happened to have a book that informed Khadgar, oh, hey, yeah, um, Elune seems to have something to do with the Naru. You might want to look into Where that. Where did that come from? Don't know. Well, here's the thing I've always wondered. Who's to say the library at Karazhan isn't aware? Mm-hmm. And like it's like a you go in just there, like... think about what you need to find, and it just spits it out? Well, not that easy, obviously, because, you know, it's it's Medivh's library. So and it's Medivh... not... Yeah, okay. Uh, well, Khadgar, his first... his <laughs> Wait, this kind of all ties back to Khadgar, because where did Khadgar go after he said, yeah, sorry, guys, at the beginning of Battle for Azeroth? He said he was going to go back to Karazhan, right? Mm-hmm. But what was yeah. Khadgar's very first task? What was the thing he had to do to prove himself to Medivh? He had to organize the library. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. That was the job he gave him. Yeah. Before before Medivh would even think about calling him his apprentice, he said, you have to organize the library. And that's where he started seeing weird visions about various things was in the library. If we think of the t- of the tower as a, as a being, the library, what would that be? It's analogous to a brain. It's where all the information is. That's your brain. It's where all the thinking's and done. If, 
And if you have to go in there and organize it to prove yourself, then that would imply that you're not necessarily organizing it as much as you're attuning to it. You're learning its systems. You're learning how it works. Now, what does that mean for, for you know, Rathion being seemingly being able to go there and use it? Does it mean Cal, you know, that Kagar is letting him? Does it mean the tower is letting him? Like, does the tower recognize him? Why would the tower recognize him? What does that say about what's going on? Hmm. But at any rate, it seems to me like whether or not, I don't think he himself needed it, but I think he is definitely working on methods to combat the old gods. Here's my question. Mother's dialogue indicated that she was scanning stuff and da 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 um, I'm going back to when we saw Rathion being created. By the way, guys, there is a quest in the Badlands. It's a long quest chain in the Badlands that was added when Cataclysm did its revamp. If you have not played through the Badlands, oh my gosh, go do it, because all of this is suddenly becoming relevant again, and you will see the creation of Rathion. You will see what we're talking about when we're talking about Rhea. If you're max level, you can blow through all of it in like an hour. It won't take you long at all. Um... I really recommend it because all of this, like I said, is suddenly becoming super relevant. And if you happen to be a rogue player and you have not played through the legendary quest chain in Cataclysm, go do it. Because again, it's Rathion stuff. It's the stuff that he was up to right after everything happened. Um, even like, I wonder how much you can get out of a test character. I, I would say like, if you have a boost that you haven't used and you don't know what to do with it, make a rogue. Make a rogue and go do this cataclysm stuff. I, I'm dead serious here because there's a lot of really relevant story material. Um, a lot of this stuff was also summarized. It is available on World of Warcraft's YouTube where you can see what happened in the Rathion quest chain and everything. But it doesn't go into as much detail as playing through it. And playing through it is just this really incredible experience. Um, where was I going with all of this? Rathion. When we created Rathion and we found that, uh, what was it? It was like the Eye of the Watchers or the Heart of the Watchers or something like that, um, that we brought in. What it did, it scanned the dead black dragon, it scanned the egg, uh, and then it scanned the uncorrupted egg or something? I don't know. It scanned like yeah, a bunch two, of... It scanned several corrupted eggs, uh, dead black dra uh, black dragon whelp well, and uh, and, no, and an uncorrupted egg. Yeah, and it kind the of... uncorrupted egg was yeah the uncorrupted egg was dead though. Yeah, it, yeah, I it, think it took. It. I don't it, remember. It took all of those things, scanned all of those things, mushed them all together somehow, and then like three D printed, for want of a better word, an uncorrupted dragon egg. And that was uh, that was Rathion's egg. It was the only uncorrupted black dragon egg we've seen since b prior to the War of the Ancients, before Deathwing became corrupt. It, it this is literally this is the first egg in thousands and thousands and thousands of years that has not been influenced or tainted by the old gods at all. What I am wondering, could Mother, in theory, scan Rathion much like the Eye of the Watchers did? and apply that same process to us or to the planet. Well, the interesting thing about that is we've already Could seen Could she apply it to the world soul? Maybe, because we already know that the Titan creations in the past have been able to purge corruption like that. We saw that in Pandaria when we were in the Magashan vaults. Um, the Keeper, um, I can't remember what his name is now, uh, the Mogu-looking one. Raden? Was it Radan, the one that we... Oh, we, oh Norishan. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Norishan. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so Norishan purges 
us. Like there is a process in which it takes this corruption, this shock corruption, which we found out later is old guy corruption uh, and was able to extract it from us. So they have a process that they can separate it and they are at least to some degree. Oh my God. Wait, where was Norshen located? The heart chamber. Mm-hmm. Where was the heart chamber located? In the uh, veil, the veil of eternal blossoms. Where were Rathion's agents scoping out during Mists of Pandaria? The veil. Mm-hmm. That lake, specifically. Yep. That lake where no shit. Oh my god. Okay, sorry, go ahead. But I was going to say, like, it, it seems like all this is way too, co- I, I wouldn't say coincidental, but this might be a deep cut. Because, like, it makes sense, like you just pointed out, that that would be what, what they could do or what they were getting at or what they're looking for. And if Mother does scan Rathion and learns what he's learned or something like reads his, in his notes, or he purposely leaves something behind or a mother who is uncorrupted to kind of help purge the world. That's one last thing he has to worry about. And one more ally in the fight against the void. Like it, it just makes too much sense for it not to be a thing, at least to me. What do you think Rossi? I think it's interesting because um, I'm trying to think of the way, right way to put this. I don't think that mother is going to get a chance to scan Rathion. Because I don't think he's going to get anywhere near her. No. Um, he's quite, like, it's pretty clear that we don't find him in this scenario. He, we, you know, we go there, we do stuff, we don't find him. We find notes he left behind. I think he's trying to figure out what he has in his head. Because he, remember, he forgot, we must rebuild the final Titan, and then he forgot. Like, mm-hmm. he even says it, the information is gone. It's it's in his head, but he can't, He it's too much. He can't just sit there and, like, recall it. And so how do you access that information? How do you access that knowledge that was passed down from Amonthul to Raden? That was too much for Raden, remember? Yeah, what he said, what he said specifically, I'm just going to quote it. He said, ah, the heart of a king, the powers of the god. And Anduin Rin says, what are you doing? You're not seriously going to eat that. And he says, it's filled with Titan magic, the language of creation. And he eats it. And then he goes into this trance and he says, oh, I see them. A million, million worlds glittering in their perfection, but one above all others. Oh, and then he goes into that weird voice and that weird voice says, we have fallen. We must rebuild the final Titan. Do not forget. And then he falls to the floor and Anduin says, what are you trying to pull? And Rathian says, it's gone. I don't remember any of it. Oh, none of them remembered the irony. That's what he said. And Andwin says, what are you talking about? I don't trust you. Rathion says, you're wise not to. Champion, I need time to digest what I've learned, but soon we will take action. That's it. That's the last time we hear about it. Go ahead, Rossi. Sorry. So yeah, I, I'm basically, my thoughts are that all he might be doing is trying to do just that, to digest what he's learned. And when we find whatever we find at Karazhan that he left behind, it might be as simple as he's working on figuring out how to rebuild the final Titan, figuring out what it is he doesn't remember. And in order to do that, he has to like find a place. And it it makes me then think if the library is some kind of, if it's the conceptual brain of this entity that exists beyond space and time, I mean, it would take a Titan to make something like that. Like there's very few beings that could, and a Titan is is chief up on the list. And there is currently a Titan that would probably need something like that. And it would be the Titan that, Karazhan is on top of and the ley lines that are feeding it are the ley lines that feed that titan the world soul that's in Azeroth yeah exactly at this point that's a leading suspect for who made Karazhan in the first place and what it's for if Karazhan 
when like when he found it, he said it felt like it was made for him. Do you think Karazhan was a manifestation of Azeroth then, of the World Soul in the future? I don't know. I don't know if it was or if the World Soul made it for Medivh. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. The library is a living thing that attunes to consciousness. What if that is part of the heart of, like, the consciousness of Azeroth? We have a heart chamber that we can get to. It's in Silithus. What if Karazhan is the brain room? What if Karazhan's the brain room? What if that is it? What if it's not necessarily, like, a created Titan facility by, like, the actual Titans? But what if it's a naturally occurring one that sort of like was and born Azeroth this... is still a little baby right now, which is why we get these daydreams of alternate realities and situations that haven't happened and stuff like that. It's not and real; why... it's just dreaming. And why the Legion wanted so bad to be in Karazhan in the first place? And what if it wasn't just to to take the power, but it was to get to the brain room? It was to get to the library? It was to get to where you know this this formative consciousness was becoming? Because if Azeroth was a baby and you could alter or link with the brain, then you're doing exactly what Sargeras wanted, which is basically getting this Titan on his side and, and having somebody to fight the void with in his manner Creating of warfare. Creating a fell Titan. Creating a fell Titan, exactly as he and wanted to. And he couldn't to. do that, so he tried to stab it through the heart. That Oh, man, because I could totally see that, and that's why like it always Remember? knows what you want, because it's consciousness, it's an, it's an intelligence. And keep in mind that Sargeras, as you pointed out, Sargeras was in Medivh. Yep. And in Karazhan. Yep. So but at the know. same time, at the same time, Medivh was capable of, of holding Sargeras off sometimes. And what yet... made Medivh go find Karazhan in the first place? Was it Medivh or was it Sargeras? That's a million dollar question right there. I feel like we're like right on the edge of something huge, you guys. And I'm just giddy about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> This is a really cool episode. I love talking anything Rathion and anything Sargeras and anything all of that. But, like, I, I just, I, I wonder, okay, I have a question for the end of the show, and we will wait till the end of the show for me to, like, because it's a good, it's a good final thoughts question. I'll, I'll leave it at that. But, okay. So, Rathion's not actually in, we don't find him in the scenario, as far as you know? As far as I know, he's not actually there. If he might be, because we know we have a model for him. We do have a model. But... So if if we don't find him there, we must be finding him somewhere or seeing a vision of him. I was going to say or a vision for, or an afterimage or something. For for that matter, I mean, he might be there, but he evades us. Like, we're like, we need your help. You need to come with us. And he's like, nope, <laughs> that is not happening and takes off. Or he says, you don't need my help. You need this. Take it and go. I'm not going with you. And oops out the door we don't know uh for all i know we find him you know putting on his clothes again after leaving a certain king's house i don't know i all i know is that he's mentioned and there's something involving him at Karazhan. okay so here's my question if rathion is actually doing all of this stuff and working on all of these things why did he let garrosh out and why did he go to draenor what was he doing on draenor and how would that tie into all of this because Draenor under- is isn't Draenor doesn't have a world soul. No, but that Draenor is what happens when a Titan tinkers with a. He well, he needed, needed gold, gold on. on. No. What did he need gold Guy, on for? To open the tomb of Sargeras and get the Legion to come back. He needed that to happen. Why did he need that he to happen? The Legion out of the way for us to focus on the other threat. Oh. For one thing, yeah. If we if he couldn't unite us himself. He needed to give us a villain that we could yeah. unite behind. And then when 
whilst we're currently falling all over ourselves trying to kill each other instead of uniting to fight the old gods, which is, you know, regrettable, he's basically deciding to take it on himself to, to deal with this situation. So you think that him taking Garrosh and actually putting, helping Garrosh escape, assisting Kairos, all of that other stuff that happened, you think that he did that because Varian didn't kill Garrosh and basically stomp the horde? I think, I mean, part of the problem is, is that whilst Rathion is extremely clever and he's very much a black dragon. He's also only two. Well, at this point, he's like 10, isn't he? It's been a while. By now, yeah, it's been a while. I mean, look at his But model. when everything happened. Yeah, but when, he, when, when that situation went down, he was a whelp. And granted, again, he was a very intelligent and powerful whelp, and the ancients tested him. Like, you remember that whole thing where Deathwing shows, comes up in a vision, and he's, you know, we, we helped him get through that. Yeah. He gets tested by them, and they see something in him worth assisting. There's a lot of this. I don't know if we can say he actually consciously knew how it would all shake out. Because keep in mind, when he, he himself says, I've forgotten, they've all forgotten the irony. He may be listening to prompts. Like, it may be hard to anticipate what Rathian's going to do and hard for the old gods to know what he's going to do because like them, he can see all possibilities. Rathian went to Pandaria before we went to Pandaria. He was already there and established. Mm -hmm. When he left at the end of that rogue quest chain, he said he was just going to go see what he could find. He found Pandaria. Nobody else could find Pandaria. He found it. Something drew him there. So something, something is pulling him from place to place. Some sort of directive is pulling him from place to place. And it's a directive, I feel Ooh. like, I feel like it's a directive that we put in play when we created him. Maybe, but it also could be the hard programming of being the Earth Warder's brood. Could be. Because if he's attuned to Azeroth in a way that we can't possibly fathom... Then he knows she, it's there. She might be doing it at least subconsciously. Like, she has a speaker now, right? But, like, that speaker only interprets what she yeah, says. We also have to keep in mind that Nizoth didn't view Magni as a threat. Nope, not even Far remotely close. It. He was a tool. In, in fact, he was... Yeah, and one that they used successfully. Yep. Whereas Rathion... He's uncorrupted, flying, flying under the radar, undetected at this point. Uncorrupted, untraceable, unlike Ebonhorn, which we've already talked about. I think we talked about this last episode as well. Uh, like, Nizoth knows Do you when... think that's why Deathwing flew out there to kill him personally? I think so. Because he had a connection that maybe Nizoth didn't. Deathwing was corrupted by Nizoth originally. So right, something sent Deathwing to go take care of that egg immediately before it could even hatch. Was it right, Nazoth? Right. Was Nazoth aware that this was a thing that it couldn't see? No, I, I don't think it was Nazoth. I think it was Deathwing himself. Yeah, it that's was, what I'm okay. saying. Yeah, okay. Because it's his brood. He's attached to it. He's he's linked to it, and we know that from the Red Dragon flight. The Red like Alex Straza felt the death of all of our brood. Like when when stuff like that happened, she felt it. She's attuned to it. Like that's how it is. Yeah, but he, that thing that sent her in a spiral in um. Oh, what was it? It was Thrall, Twilight of the Aspects. Another excellent book, by the way, if you haven't read it. But the thing that sent her in a spiral was the fact that she felt when Caligos, Caligos? No, not Caligos. Uh, Coriol Straz, when he sacrificed himself in the egg chamber, she felt all of those children die. Yeah, but and, think of it this way, too, though. It's Deathwing, at the point in time we're talking about, Deathwing wants 
got so angry at somebody else for touching the essence of the earth that he tried to crush him. Thrall. Yeah. In the thr- in the sh- yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was Thrall who wasn't connected to Deathwing in any way, but he was touching the earth power. To the point where and, he detected Magni. Yep. And Deathwing obviously sensed Thrall doing this and, you know, grabbed him and was like, you know, here's the, here's the crushing truth of the earth. Here's what it feels like. Imagine your Deathwing. Hold up. Okay. If Deathwing could detect Thrall when Thrall was touching that, he could detect Magni when Magni was doing that. But he mm-hmm. didn't do anything to Magni. Well, for that matter, at that point in time, he didn't need to. Magni was not a threat to him. Magni couldn't do anything. Magni's Magni not purified by Titan tech. Yeah, well, more importantly, though, Magni was doing exactly what Deathwing had, was trying to do to Thrall. Magni was drowning yeah. in the sheer power of the Earth. Mm-hmm. And see, here's the thing at Deathwing's heart. At the ultimate heart of Deathwing is a dragon who wanted to do the right thing. Oh, yeah. He wanted to, you know, if you go back and read the, the, the Dawn of the Aspects book, was he cocky and arrogant and a little conceited for a, for a proto-drake? Yeah, absolutely. But he wasn't evil. He wanted he to do the right yeah. thing, and he was very much yeah. self-assured that he could do the right thing. And he yeah. knew what the right thing was. Now, imagine you put him in a position where you tap him into this great power, but the power is screaming. It's it's so much, and it's screaming, and it's in agony, and you can't make it stop, and it won't stop, and it's just crushing you. He gives Thrall the experience he had. He doesn't. He isn't even trying to be cruel to Thrall. He's like, this is what you're trying to do. This is what it is. This is what the Titans gave me. This is their yeah. gift. Imagine your Deathwing, and you feel somebody else is now born that can take that up that they can do that to and take it from you this thing that crushed you it broke you in your desperation you turn to the old gods because they were the ones who said no this is we can show you this this can be dealt with this wasn't right what they did to you you know and think about if Rathion survived it if Rathion didn't break what does that mean I'm we come of, back to this wait. over and over again in this story. We see it with Arthas. Arthas was desperate to convince us that we would have made the same choices. And Sargeras to the I, Titans. Wait, Sargeras wanna, did the exact wanna, same thing. I want to I wanna side note for a second here. Because I feel like the same kind of thing applies to Nosdormu, really. And that maybe that's part of the whole, that's part of the whole genesis of the infinite dragonflight. Because that power that he was given, that control over time, all of a sudden he saw everything. And it maybe drove him where he is now. Because what does he say when we kill Murazond? What does he say? Who does he call out to? He calls out Amonthul. Yeah. And he doesn't appear to be happy with Amonthul. That was one of those weird little side things when we killed Murazon that kind of caught my attention was that the last thing that he said was almost, it was almost kind of cursing Amonthul for what Amonthul had done to him. And it he all kind of specifically, put... this is what he says. You know, not what you have done, period. Amonthul, what I have seen. And that's his last breath. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's the angle that the old gods are taking, though, is that the immense power that these aspects were given, it was enough to drive them mad. And the old gods are going in and saying, hey, you shouldn't have had this happen. It's unnatural. Let's fix it. Because Malagos went through the same thing, too. 
And Malagos, when Malagos came to his senses, what was the first thing he tried to do? Take control of all of the ley lines and get them away from us. It, I don't, there's, there's too many threads here. Anyway, I'm sorry. Let's go back to Deathwing. Well, I don't, it's kind of hard for me to remember what I was actually saying. Sorry. Uh, my point is just that if you, you were going suddenly to Thrall, you some... were talking about Thrall and how Thrall was being exposed and da da da, and why yeah. why uh, Deathwing was trying to kill Rathion. If if Deathwing sees Rathion and sees him as an actual possible successor, because we know the Aspects can have successors, they can have someone come along and take their job. That's what Caligos, Caligos did. does. This he, he he succeeds Malagos, so it's possible to become an Aspect. He is it's the possible. only one that's done it, though. Yeah, but it's the procedure was there. If if Rathion is an uncorrupted black dragon, if he and much much worse for Deathwing, one actually directly created by the intercession of a titanic artifact, he could take the role. He could take being Earthwarder away from him. And then worse still for Deathwing, he might not fail. He might replace Deathwing. Deathwing would have no purpose then. And as crazy as he is at this point in time, when, you know, because he's gone through so much, his body is still splitting. there. Yeah. And if someone else can do what Deathwing can do, even the idea that Thrall might be able to step in for a bit and play that role drove him mad. He was so angry. Now, if someone else could permanently replace him, someone else could be that aspect. There's no way. I think that was definitely Deathwing coming to kill Rathion himself. No effing way are you going to replace me. That was Kronos and Rhea, Kronos eating all the Titans, one, all the oh, the gods one by one to make sure none of them ever replace him. That's what that was. That was straight up, I'm going to commit, you know, he goes on and on about wanting a flight, but he wants a flight that obeys him, mm-hmm. not one that secedes him. The other flights have all come up with the idea that eventually we might fall. We might be replaced. And here's a system to do it. But that's not, Deathwing doesn't want to be replaced. He's not trying to create his replacement. His his idea of children is warped. They don't exist to replace him. They don't exist to succeed him. They exist to be tools that he will use. Like Anixia. Exactly, like Anixia. Like, um, I forget the name of the black dragon, Nixandra, I think it is. Is it Nixandra? And Neltharion. Yeah. And Nixandra, but, yes. Yeah, Nixandra, the Rathion's mother, was just another tool to him. He didn't definitely did not think of her as like beloved or cherished. He didn't think of any of them that way. They were tools. He wanted more tools, but at no point did he care for them. Like he didn't love them or anything. Why would he? They were just here to make him more powerful. Even with Syntharia and the Twilight Dragonflight. Exactly. He, he, he didn't was, love her. He just wanted her to give him more children. And when he just, he almost killed her trying to make her give him more children he let her go and experiment on those eggs. He was like, yeah, I'll watch, see what she does. And when she fails, I'll, I'll step in. He, there's none of his, it's not even like for all that we like think of Malagos as a problem. Malagos cared about his flight. Mm-hmm. Like he cared about his flight to the he point was that when he absolutely lost, devastated. Yeah. yeah. He, when he lost his, his consort, that was a wound he didn't recover from when his rest of his flight was nearly destroyed by the, you know, the, the dragon soul. Yeah, that, that almost destroyed him. That's and when what he came back, drove him mad in the first yeah. place. That's why he and, went to Northrend. And when he came back, for all that he was, you know, twisting those ley lines and endangering the world, his flight was still of paramount importance to him. Um, he still took a consort. He still wanted to, you know, he wanted to increase his flight's numbers. He still wanted his flight, not because 
not to use his tools. They were important to him. They were his children, you know, love him or hate him. You know, he was, you know, even Malagos and his craziest cared about his flight. Um, obviously, Ysera and uh, Alex Straza and Nosdormu, even when they're performing their duties, even Nosdormu, who is weird and trippy, and, you know, talks about time all the time, cares about his flight, cares about his wife and his children, not Niltharian. So this was this was the, the nightmare scenario. They've made a new me, and he's going to be better at being me than I am. No, he has to die right now. And it, again, it's almost exactly Sargeras's reaction. The conception of Rathion was Deathwing's end time. Yes, and it's exactly again like when Sargeras finds out about Azeroth, he wants to come here immediately, and he doesn't know if he wants to destroy the planet or co-opt it. You know. When Deathwing found out about Rathion, he wants to destroy him immediately. He knows. I don't. I don't care. I don't want him to live. I don't want him to come to being. That's my eggs that you touched. It's my flight. You don't get to do anything to to, to cleanse it. You'll die for this because it's mine. And it's a red dragon doing all of this too. Yeah, which is less. Yeah. Joe, do you have anything to add to this discussion? Because you've been kind of quiet. We've been talking for a while. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I, there's really not much I can add to it. But I mean. Like I said, I think that that's also, I was bringing this up a little bit earlier, not to take it all the way back, but I also think that's why. No, go for it. We're going all over the place today. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I don't think we're even going to get to any other emails. We're good. This but is good. I think, I think that Rathion cannot be found by Nazoth and why he has agents searching for him, because now that Deathwing's dead, he doesn't have that connection like he did before. I think that's what helped spurn that. I think that while I think Rossi is right with the, this is somebody who could replace me and stuff like that. I, I, I don't think that was necessarily his first thought, but it would be perfectly within the realm of this is a fear of his, that the corruption of Nazoth is exacerbating and saying, yeah, no, he's totally going to replace you. Look, look, they don't love you anymore. Look at all these things you did. You tried to save everyone and they don't appreciate it. They just built a brand new you wouldn't it be terrible when this one grows up and just completely replaces you? Let's, I don't want to interrupt you. And in fact, I want you to keep going. But one thing I'll throw out really, one of the things that, that Deathwing had in his head forever, even you know up till recently, was that when he was done, he was going to have Alex Straza and Yasera as quote unquote, petty slaves from mating. Yep. Yep. In a twisted way, he still wanted them to love him. Yeah. And, that, and that's what everything. I th- and that's what I think plays into it because all that boils down to he was like you said, he in, in his heart, in his soul was somebody who wanted to do good. And then that got twisted and used and manipulated. But I think that's why his death was why sort of Rathion is safe because once he's dead, once, once that connection is gone and really there's no other corrupted black dragons around which would also feed into why Rathion wanted to kill them. If he knows that's how he's being tracked by Nazoth, that would make perfect sense. This family connection, this brood, this, this, this flight connection we have lets them pinpoint. It lets them see where I am and it lets my enemy, the one that I am attempting to defeat pinpoint me and come after me. I need to kill them all. Well, I'm going to get the rogues to do it. They're really good at killing people. I'll help them get some daggers. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. No big deal. And then you go and you murder all these things that would have a connection. Are there any corrupted black dragons left on Azeroth at this point? Not to his knowledge. That's what he but, said at the end. But then there was Ebonhorn. 
but now that's why I think Ebonhorn is such an interesting thing because Ebonhorn is a corruptible black dragon who now Nazoth has really wanted to get his hands on. Like, look at the scenario when we go and get the but high mountain. But he existed as... in a bubble where he couldn't be he influenced. He couldn't be touched. Yep. But now he's out of that bubble. He's in a chamber that's real close to the heart of a, a titan. This thing that the old gods wanted to burrow down into a corrupt anyway. And who it's let him out of that bubble? Storm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, it's it's very interesting to me that all this is coming to a head. And I think that's it. I, I, think, have... I think that's part of it. I have another question for you guys, and this is just going to, I know it's just going to set all of us off as soon as I say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Given what we've been talking about as far as the nature of corruption and corruptible things and the stuff that, that the, the burden that the Titans put on the aspects, um, everything that happened to Deathwing, what happened to Malagos, what happened to Nazdormu, all, you know, the things that they have seen, all of that. They were created by Tyr mm -hmm. to protect the planet because they had a vested interest in doing so. And they proved that they did in Dawn of the Aspects. Hang on one second. Sorry, I had to clear my throat. Okay. Tyr did this so that they could protect the world because they showed that they had the gumption for doing so during Dawn of the Aspects. And if you haven't read Dawn of the Aspects, by the way, I really recommend you go read that one too because it explains how the dragon flights came to be in the first place. Now I'm going to go off on another little tangent here. Odin was under the impression that this was a terrible idea. And that's mm -hmm. why he created the Halls of Valor and all of this other stuff and the Valkyr and everything else because essentially he was what he was saying was, Tyr, you shouldn't have done this thing. It's our job. It's something that we should do. And I'm going to make this place, this playground for us. And we've been assuming that Odin was just really full of himself and da 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 da, -da. He just wanted his his method of control but given everything that we have just discussed was odin right that would be the ultimate kicker as far as i'm concerned like if odin ultimately was right at the end of all of this like that smug flame bearded titan person <laughs> like know, right? it would just be so much hey worse. hey hey that that's that's my ash ketchum you're talking about <laughs> but i mean it would make it would make a certain <laughs> amount of sense that it would make a certain amount of sense if Warrior oh, War War Warrior 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 That seriously I spent Legion as that dude's Pokemon. Prove your you worth and yet another fight. Prove your worth. Prove your worth. Like seriously, I just want to use the bathroom. I Prove choose you. <laughs> That's like seriously, in order to go to the bathroom in Valhalla, you apparently have to defeat seventeen Valkyr in pitch combat. Oh, I got in finally. Oh, bloody hell, there's no paper here. You have to defeat me first. The giant roll of toilet paper I have you to, to beat up. You have to prove yourself to wipe your bottom, warrior. Anyway. Yeah. So I think about Odin is, I don't think necessarily that Odin is wrong that it was their job. Tyr wasn't concerned with whose job it was. He was concerned that the job wasn't getting done. And whereas for Odin, I, I don't know exactly how to put this. There were three that were chosen by Amon Thule. I believe. I think there was Odin, um, Highkeeper Ra, and I can't remember who the third is. May have just been Odin and Highkeeper Ra. Those two were chosen by Amonthul when this whole thing started. Like, remember that each each of the Titan Forged had a Titan that kind of helped create them and chose them to be their servant during the whole purging of Azeroth. And Highkeeper Ra didn't stick around 
Yeah, he did. It was Highkeeper Ra and it was Odin. It was just those two. Yeah, and Highkeeper Ra didn't stick around. He took off. And I've always wondered about that. Why did he take off? What was he doing there? Um, keep in mind that, you know, Tyr was, you know, the greatest warrior of the Pantheon. I'm not of the Pantheon, but of the of the, the Watchers, of the Keepers. Um, Ra he was, was one who there when yeah. the aspects were created. Yeah, he was. But he didn't stay. He didn't hang out. He went south. He he decided to go and no, take he care channeled, of No, he channeled some of Amon Vul's powers to Nosdormu. Yeah, it had to be him because, you know, the Odin other guy was not going to do it. it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what you think about this. Why did he then not stay? When did they, you know, the keepers started falling apart almost as soon as they made the, the, the aspects that they, they started, you know, not doing their jobs. They started getting taken out of their, you know, the creation of the aspects almost seems to be the first crack that allowed Yogg to get out. And it's when Odin decides Which to do would all be this. Why they show up in the brain room. Yeah. And if you think about it too, Odin, it's when Odin decides I'm going to make my own that he starts doing all the stuff that allows for Loken later to basically banish him to, to Valhalla, to, to the halls of valor, because it's when Odin decides he goes to, you know, to Helia and says, I want you to reach into the Shadowlands for me. And she's like, all right, cause I I'll do that. And you know, Highkeeper Raj showed me a lot of tricks, so I know how to do it. But you know, are you sure about this? Yes, do it. And he does it and he makes the bargain and he trades the eye for the power that he uses to create the Valkyr. And then when she's like, please don't do this. Remember, it's Helia who begs him not to do this. She begs him, don't do this. It's, it's, a, it's as, just as unnatural as it's more unnatural than the thing with the dragons. It's worse. It's undeath. Yes, they'll have the light in them, but creating light touched undead is completely wrong. It's absolutely immoral. It should never be done. I'm talking to you, Naru. Don't do it. It's bad and wrong. And he was like, okay, and did it to her. And that's where it's that betrayal that allowed Yogg to go moving through Loken to turn her. When Loken said, I can free you from his control. Right now, you have to do what he says, but I can make it so you don't. I can break that on you. And that's where, you know, that's where Helia comes from. That's her origin. And it starts with the creation of the aspects. If there are no aspects, there's no, you know, Halls of Valor. There's no Stormforged, you know, Vrykul. There's no Valkyr. And there's no angry Helia who wants revenge. I, you know, I'm kind of wondering, and I keep going back to, I keep going back to Yogg-Saron now that we're talking about Yogg-Saron. And I keep going back to how you're talking about, you know, this was the first weak link to Yogg-Saron, all of that. Mm -hmm. I keep going back to the brain room because we had three visions in the brain room and they didn't necessarily make the most sense at the time, but we've been, you know, kind of trying to puzzle them out or whatever. Obviously there was the one with the tortured champion and that was Bolvar and the Lich King was testing Bolvar, which that, I mean, that came into play almost immediately because we went to Ice Crown Citadel and we defeated the Lich King and then Bolvar stepped up on the throne and it was like Yogg-Saron knew that that was going to happen because he said he will learn no king rules forever only death is eternal the next one was the forging of the demon soul which was when the aspects came together and they all put some of their essence into 
the demon soul for Deathwing, only at that time it was Neltharian, and then he turned around and betrayed them and used it to wipe out most of Malagos's flight. And Yogg-Saron says, his brood learned their lesson before too long, you two shall learn yours. But at the same time, it was like, why are you showing us this vision? Why this vision in particular? And then, of course, Cataclysm came out. And when Cataclysm came out, oh, we were dealing with all of that. We actually went back in time to get this thing so that we could use it in the future and actually use it to prevent this whole hour of twilight, which I am now putting quotation marks around because the ongoing question that we've had, and we've talked about this before, is whether the hour of twilight was really the hour of twilight. So... We saw something pertinent to that way back in Wrath of the Lich King. The third one was the one that always made me question because it showed the assassination of King Lane. It showed Garona stabbing Lane through the heart. And at the end of it, all Yogg-Saron has to say is, your petty quarrels only make me stronger, which it didn't really tie into Cataclysm so much. It didn't have anything to do with Cataclysm. Maybe a little bit in Missa Pandaria because the factions started fighting against each other. Definitely in Warlords because we interacted with Garona pretty closely. But Battle for Azeroth, definitely. Because what are, what are we doing right now? We're fighting each other. What is it doing? It's making the Zoth stronger. We just set him free. I don't know. I'm just, I'm kind of wondering like, is there more to those brain rooms than we initially thought back in Wrath of the Lich King? Let me give you a tangent here. Go ahead. Remember when Galakrond was going on the rampage? Yes. Who made Galakrond like that? Don't know. Yeah, we do. Tyr. Tyr says, he doesn't say directly, I did this, but he makes some, he drops some hints that he did an experiment hoping to change, you know, Galakrond and that Galakrond turned into this instead of what he wanted. And the this never... that Galakron turned into for people who have not read Dawn of the Aspects was this kind of undead monstrosity thing that was eating its own. And when it got done eating them, they came back as the undead. Yeah. They'd like sprout out of him like these pustules of... It was gross. Joe, have you read Dawn of the Aspects? Did you read that one? Oh, of course I did. Okay. And one of the things I was going to connect, but I, I want to let Joe talk because I've been talking a lot, but... The spark of tear that tear uses to connect with and, con- and contact the various aspects before their aspects looks a lot like the dragon soul. Ooh. Like the representation of it in game is practically the same. They're big, they're golden discs. They're like floating there. There's like a, there's an image of the spark of tear. If you go look at the, the Wapedia, you can look at it, the spark of tear and it looks a lot like the gra- dragon soul. And if tear hid them in deep places, who was the aspect that knew all the deep places? Yeah, and this, you talked about how, you know, Ra, Highkeeper Ra was the one who gave, you know, Amental's power to Nazdarmu, um, because, as we pointed out, Odin wouldn't do it. But each, you know, each of the, uh, the, the main pantheon titans had a couple. So, I'm going to just say this, Odin could re-empower Nazdarmu if he wanted to. Yeah. And there's at least one keeper who could re-empower every single one of the aspects if they wanted to. But the question is, would they want to? More importantly, the question is, if we find out that this whole thing was a giant setup, that the old gods from the beginning were hoping to profit from this, like the whole thing about creating Galakrond in the first place, why was Tyr making, why why did Tyr do that? Why did he try and experiment on Galakrond in the first place? You know, 
what what did he hope was going to happen? Because he said his fellow keepers would not face the dangers of Galakrond as they were not tied to Azeroth like its native species. Like Tyr felt like his his keepers were too detached. They looked at Azeroth not as a living thing that needed Clinically. protecting. Yeah, it was an experiment. It was, you know, they were trying to save the Titan soul and not the world. And in and, and so doing, they were like ignoring. And keep in mind, the aspects were never told about the Titan soul. Malagos didn't know about it. When no. he started moving ley lines around, he was doing so completely ignorant of the fact that he was hurting the world. Like he thought, okay, yeah, there'll be some tectonic instability, but so what? He wasn't even, no one, no one told him that he was killing the world soul. He didn't know about it. So, do you think Naltharian was the only one that was maybe aware that there was a world soul? I think maybe the po- the possible knowledge of that is what drove him crazy, because he was feeling it, but he had no. They didn't. But he tell didn't know what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because think about it. You they tie him. You tie him to the. Yeah, you tie him to that. The the quote unquote Earth, right? There's horrible rents ripped in it. There's wounds that are seeping into like all over the place. You attune him to that planet in a way that the other ones aren't. Imagine suddenly realizing yeah. that the Earth is very much alive and in yep. a way that you can't even comprehend. Yeah, and I mean, even if you think about it, like Deathwing sort of bursting his his needing to lash himself together um, while, yes, there's some other factors to it. It sort of mirrors this whole Azeroth sort of like exploding right now with Azerite everywhere in the world, even places that weren't pierced by a sword. Like, we're splintering. Like, Azeroth is splintering. And that could have been a precursor that he felt way, way long ago. The corruption that was tearing him apart was he was the embodiment of the earth. Analogous, yeah. So, I mean, not necessarily have been because the old gods made him corrupted. It may have been that the old gods strengthened his connection. Which we know that they like to do. They They like to take something and take it to an extreme, right? If you look at what was going on with him, it wasn't until the very end that he began sprouting tentacles and stuff. Yep. For and years. even then, and even then, hold on, like just to tie it back, if you're going through Battle for Azeroth right now, how many tentacles of Azerite have we run into? There's been a bunch, very, very similar, all over the place. Well, the blood. The, what reminds me is the bloods that were on his back. We've fought those many times too. They're elementals. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm specifically thinking because I played a prot warrior in in that. <laughs> you had a very close so, personal relationship yeah. with I those. spent a lot of time getting those bloods to follow me around so when you go to an Azerite eruption if you go to one of the sites the Azerite forms those exact same kind of things those bloods and even their walking they, elementals look similar to the ones we had to blow up on Deathwing's back yeah and I, obviously of course to a degree that's because those models exist and Blizzard sure. is just going to reuse them but that but blood on Deathwing's back was called corrupted blood yes and What's going on with Azeroth right now is her blood is going crazy. So I feel like Deathwing serves as a, as a, I don't want to say example. Uh, I want to say a microcosm. It's like a microcosm of Azeroth as a whole. He's mm-hmm. like literally as, a, it's like as above, so below type thing where you take the world itself and then you look at its avatar and you see what's happening to the avatar of the earth. He's like a model aspect. of the planet. Yeah. He, what it, what it feels he feels and yes he was went mad and wanted it to end because of course he wanted it to end it was killing him it was agonizing and it's that pain that the world is currently feeling and look at how it's driving magni crazy magni is ridiculous he's constantly panicking the speaker for azeroth shouldn't be panicking all the time 
but he is. He's constantly behind the eight ball. He has no idea what's going on. But and is he panicking because Azeroth is panicking and he's nothing but a mouthpiece at this point? Possibly. Or, you know, the fact is when we when you read the comic and you see Magni, you know, he's relating to the planet like a small child. He's relating like, to, him, to the it like is, Moira. Yeah, the planet is a daughter all over again. He failed with his with his his daughter, but he's trying to treat Azeroth the same way. But Azeroth, Azeroth isn't is his a second ch- chance. Yeah. Yeah, but but Azeroth is not his child. It might not even be accurate to call it a child. It's not the scale is completely different. And I think that's part of the I don't know if it was a problem with the aspects. In fact, that's the worst part about all this is this might all have been part of the Titanic plan. Because remember, this one true timeline, although others will keep mm-hmm. will have it differently. It is your job to make sure that everything happens as it's supposed to. Ooh. According to the Titans. Yeah. But I mean, what if what if the planet is supposed to explode? What if the eggshell is supposed to crack? We still do not know what happens to a planet once a Titan is born. We've never known. And even in like all of the chronicles we've had and all the things we've we've done in game, all of the little tidbits, they've never said what happens to that planet. Nope. What if that planet is supposed to explode? And I keep thinking of the Doctor Who episode with the dragon inside of the moon, right? Like it's a yeah. giant it's a giant egg. And what if it's supposed to crack and splinter and destroy? And of course Azeroth doesn't understand this because there's no Titans around to tell her, hey, it's okay. It's cool. This is normal. This is what happens with all of us. Like it's going to be fine. So she's Azeroth freaking out. Azeroth is also still very much, I don't well, want to say we, a fetus, I, I, but a child. I want to I stop, stop referring to her as that. Let's, let's say that she's not. We don't know what that means in terms of being Titan Soul. Like, we know that it's nascent, but that could just mean it's still in its egg, right? Like, we don't know when they reach maturity. We don't know. She already knows way more on the cosmic scale of things than we do, as far as, like, that natural attunement. But what if how long all does it take a titan to hatch we don't know exactly what if all this freaking out and scrambling and i need to keep my shell around me is because she doesn't understand we're all supposed to basically die this planet's supposed to explode and she's supposed to be bursting forth and that's exactly what the old gods want isn't it because she should the be happy stays, hatching but she's scared of the world around her scared of the universe around her scared of everything that's happening to her because she doesn't understand there's nobody to guide her through it anymore and the longer she stays in that shell the more likely they are to be able to corrupt her. See, here's the thing. Was Sargeras cool trying idea. to kill Azeroth, or was tr- uh, was Sargeras trying to encourage trying to crack her the to egg. hatch? I think he, and I said this before, I don't think he was trying to kill her. Because if he was, I think he could have. And he could have done it way quicker than we could have stopped him, even with him getting pulled back into that prison. I think he was trying to crack the egg. Rossi, you were saying something, sorry. I I think you're wrong, and here's why. When the titans find out about azeroth they can't just go there and save it why can't they do so i mean they're too big to really intercede and why are they too big if they crack out of the planet and become this cosmic entity what does scale matter scale matters because they need bodies Mm -hmm. we see that over and over again when sargeras destroys them they need bodies when Sargeras himself leaves his body and is cast into the Twisting Nether, he can't just come to Azeroth. He needs a body. They're going to give him Illidans. The pantheon that are over there right now, watching over Illidan, smacking the bejesus yeah. out of Sargeras. They're all they bodiless. Aren't, yeah, they aren't, they aren't, they aren't planet-sized. They're just there in the pantheon's chamber. When we fight them, and they aren't Sargeras, planet-sized. And Sargeras, Sargeras himself is that the world soul of Argus is that none of them are planet sized, but 
they were. I think the closest we got to seeing actual scale was was that cinematic when Sargeras came out of the cloud and mm-hmm. stabbed the sword. Yeah, and that's the closest we get. And you'll notice he immediately goes back to being smaller when he's taken to the heart room. He's pulled out of the manifestation and he's there inside that chamber. It's like being sucked into one of those <laughs> Ghostbuster traps. <laughs> so what I think is when they, when they reach maturity, they don't blow up the thing they're in. It's their body, much in the same way that, you know, they give, you know, we, we, we don't, we're, we keep calling it an egg and looking at it, but it's not an egg. It's a spark. And the, the world that forms around that spark is there to protect it. And then why would they get rid of it when clearly Amunthul had a physical form that was so vast that he could reach down with two fingers and tweeze out Yashraj like a pimple. And Yashraj was like so big that his corpse became the well of eternity. And the it was part nothing. of Yashraj that was actually sticking out of the planet was only a fraction of what was actually there. Yes. And he just plucked him out. I think that literally if Azeroth ever does awaken, it's going to basically take the planet with it because that is it it is that we are living on its skin yeah we are effectively like you know mites in our eyelashes well i mean and and i think you might be onto something there where like i think it might the truth might be somewhere in between you and me here well the thing though i'm only saying this as a possibility because i think it's interesting to think about the fact that azeroth has no idea what's happening and no one is left to tell it yeah and 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 i agree with that that's an interesting thing to think about. Whereas the old gods, the old gods want to corrupt Azeroth because that is what they're here for. And also because that's just what they do to everything all the time. They just love to corrupt things. They're just so happy about that. But make giant purple planets. But that's not necessarily because they think what they're doing is corruption. Remember, they think that, you know, all things are possible. All possibilities are true. There's no definitive. opening the world's eyes to everything. And imagine you're Azeroth and there's the only Titan we know who, who did this process by itself is Amunthul. Mm -hmm. And then Amunthul decided this is how this should be and went around and got the others and woke them up. So Amunthul imposed the way it was worked for Amunthul on all the other Titans. Who is Amunthul? The one true timeline guy. Although others would have it be different. So Amunthul is like, no, you have to do this this way. Because that is the way I did it. That is how it works. I went and got everybody else. And now suddenly we have Azeroth, which is a much more powerful world soul than Amunthul. Now, now that should terrify you. Azeroth is a much more powerful world soul than any Titan before it. It doesn't necessarily have to go the way Amunthul tried to make it go. What if everything that they did after they they stopped the, the old gods, what if it was all wrong? The Azeroth enti- is sitting there and listening on the one hand to this creature who isn't as powerful as Azeroth is tell it, this is the one true timeline. This is how things are supposed to go. And on the other hand, it has these entities that are burrowed within it saying, no, there's so many possibilities. You don't even know. You just need to open your eyes and look. And, and think about this too, while you're thinking about that, the entirety of like what we know about this world from the end of the black empire to now was created by the Titans 
purely to shape and control the direction of Azeroth's growth after Amonthul came and delivered the most savage injury the world had ever known. Amonthul did that. Mm-hmm. Amonthul's, your only experience with Amonthul is when he comes and hurts you so bad that it takes centuries of meddling just to stop the bleeding. And then you're just bleeding. And then what did the only other Titan who came to Azeroth and interacted with it specifically do? Hurt her again. Stab her with a sword. Actually, he's hurt her twice. Yeah. Because it's Sargeras' fault that the entire sundering happened. Sargeras tried to step through a portal that he couldn't get through. Yeah, and, I mean, granted, Malfurion didn't help any. Well. <laughs> Malfurion Storm Age. Malfurion <laughs> idea how to get you know if, if we blow the door up he can't step through the door if we blow up the tree <laughs> yeah. so yeah there's that but i think you know think about the fact that, that this this world soul has been living with these things happening to it of course it's afraid every time one of these things happens it gets hurt right now it's bleeding even worse than it did before the the you know the, the well of eternity was created like what did you say joe that it's it's literally sundering it's bleeding yeah. everywhere. It's bleeding everywhere. And think about what's the only people who are trying to help it have no idea what they're doing. Yep. And Azeroth we're getting, direction, and we're getting has, direction from Azeroth, who has no idea either. Azeroth currently has the worst case of eczema that has ever existed. And there's nobody there to give her just some stupid ointment. That's all she needs is just some stupid ointment. <laughs> but there's nobody there. There's no doctor. But, but I, th- I, th- I really do think that that's an important thing that is not being talked about literally anywhere. Is if there's only the well of eternity and like you have the maelstrom and you have the sword of Sargeras sticking into the, the outer shell um, or, or whatever you want to call it, the, the exoderm of this Titan. Why is everywhere else on the planet starting to have Azerite explosion? And we know it's not the first time we talked about Kajamite in the past and how we think that that has something to do with that as well. Uh, whether it was corrupted or tainted or whatever in between but it definitely has very similar properties to Azerite. And it's happening where these things aren't, where these wounds aren't. Everywhere. It's, it's obviously everywhere. Obviously, we just need universal health care. Uh, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I had to... <laughs> Look, we are so far over time right now. That it's oh, kind yeah. of, I mean, we Sorry. can keep talking, but I don't know if you guys have things that you want to do today. Um, yeah, I kind of actually do need to get okay. going for All right. Soon. We will go ahead and wrap this up then. Uh, I'm sorry we didn't get to the other emails. They are equally fascinating. We also didn't get to that other really important model, but that's okay. We'll get to it next time. Why not? There might be more data mined at that point, and then we can talk more about it um, in depth. Uh, yeah. So, hey, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Um, we were kind of like tentatively floating the idea of making Lorewatch a weekly show. Uh, I still haven't... Uh, we're we're still like throwing tendrils out there and seeing if there's interest. If there is interest, um, let us know. Let us know on like the Blizzard Watch Twitter account. Let us know on the website. Leave a comment in the queue. Why not? Uh, 
Speaking of the queue and questions in general, if you do have a question for this podcast, you can send that to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Be sure to put Lorewatch in the subject line so we know it's intended for this show. The other place, if you are a patron, um, and even if you aren't a patron, we do have a Discord for Blizzard Watch. We have some channels there that are specifically for questions for the queue or for the podcast. If you want to ask a question for Lorewatch, just be sure that you mention that it's for Lorewatch when you leave the question there. Uh, you can find out how to sign up through Discord through the website. Uh, also, for you guys, listeners of Blizzard Watch, as always, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. A lot of the books that we mentioned today, a lot of them, are actually available as audiobooks on Audible, and you can go ahead and use those, pick one of those for your free audiobook download. And give it a listen if you haven't experienced it yet. Um, there's dozens of Blizzard's titles on... Well, I don't know about dozens. There's a lot of Blizzard titles on there. But there's also thousands of other books. If Blizzard isn't really your thing and you'd rather just listen to us ramble, uh, you could download any of those and you could sign up for that trial by going to blizzardwatch.com audible and signing up to check out the service. And every sign up, it helps support the show and everything that we do. Okay. Final thoughts, you guys. Um, this is a question that I was thinking about, and I actually like jotted it down earlier so that I could ask this because this is a good one. Uh, final thoughts. We started out all of this talking about Rathion and talking about Rathion uh, being uncorrupted, undetectable by Nizoth, all of this other stuff. So here's my question. Is Rathion at this point, given the nature of his creation and how he came to be, is Rathion a black dragon or is he a titan or a titanic hybrid of our design or maybe a titan forged did we create a titan forged in the badlands what do you guys think uh rossi i don't think i don't think he's a titan forged because do you think that... he's actually a black dragon at this point or is he something more i'm not sure uh if i were going to make him analogous to anything he's more like a storm forged where they've they take something that was, you know, one way and make it better or different. He kind of reminds me of a light forge too. I don't feel like he's actually, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to come up with a concept for this. He is effect effectively. I think he's a black dragon. I just think he is like cubed, like more dragon than another dragon would be. He is, he's just, he is like a bunch of different stuff put together in one guy. So yeah, that's the closest I can get to this. <laughs> what do you think, Joe? I think Rathion is what Tyr wanted to make. I think that That's he good. I think that he is the culmination of what he was experimenting with, tried to do, got close with the aspects and the dragon flights, but still fell short of. Think about it. Oh crap, he, Joe. Where did we find the eye of the watchers? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, the eye of the watcher that we used Tyr was the watcher. Uh-huh. Not only that, okay. but think about think about it. He's uncorruptible. He's undetectable by the old god unless he has something that's connected to him. We know that he's got now knowledge of a titan, which if it was a titan-infused uh, creation, that would make nothing but sense. That's also probably why he was able to eat the heart and not explode. Um, like we've seen other dragons in the past get too much power and then just uh, flip out. I think he is the apex dragon at this point and he doesn't know it yet or he's starting to know it and it's because of us purifying tears process including using the eye of the watcher 
infusing light into dead things and doing everything we were told we shouldn't do, I think we've perfected the dragon flights accidentally. I like that theory a lot. Um, I like that theory a lot more than him actually being like a Titan forge that we created. Although technically mm-hmm. speaking, I guess that would kind of make him a Titan forged. If he Technically were, dragons are. If he if were the apex of what Tyr was trying to accomplish when he tried and failed with Galakrond and then he tried again with the aspects and let's face it, he kind of failed with the aspects because look at what's happening to them. Look at but what I think has because, happened to them. But I think because the dragons are tied in such a way to Azeroth that they're more than just Titan forged even then. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's why I think he's he's more than. I like that idea a lot. Okay, now that we're way over time here, I'm sure none of you are complaining. But anyway, thanks again, guys, as always, for listening. Send us your questions, and we will see you again in two weeks. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.